Here's what I know. Some loves are perennials. They survive the winter and bloom again. Other loves are annuals, beautiful and lush and full of a season, then back to the earth to die and create richer soil for new life to grow. The eventual result of both types of plants is new life. New life. Nothing wasted. No failure. Love never fails. Love is messy and beautiful and brutal and real love, the dangerous kind. It changes us. It makes us new. I am new and I am ready to begin again. Glennon Doyle. Intimacy Diary 11. The Truth. Last I wrote you intimately, I claimed the end to our love story. I convinced myself it was over, at least, packed my things to move back to the apartment where I lived, where we met, where I moved to Austin from New York City. The end was my truth at the time, but has since shifted, because the truth is that while I write about intimacy, I'm as afraid as anyone to stand bare naked in front of another, not to ask them to love me, but actually receive the love they're offering. The truth is that I'm scared. I'm scared to be seen fully because somewhere deep in me is a little girl that isn't sure she's worthy of loving. And when I'm scared, I start running. Declaring the end was my way of protecting me from feeling too deeply. Running comes easy for me. I've always been running from what might be right in fear of what might actually make me happy. This is the problem with running. If you're conditioned to stay when it's hard and leave when it's easy, you're ass backwards. And yet I'm reminded to take my own advice. If it isn't easy, it isn't easy, but it doesn't have to be so hard. Start feeling. But it was easier for me to point at his inadequacies, claim he wasn't ready for me. The truth is, it felt safer when he wasn't because his unready masked my own. The truth is, when we moved in, I didn't have the proper tools to build my own boundaries. But instead of taking responsibility, I resented him for choosing my defaults, choosing caretaking and codependency. The truth is, some part of me loves to the depth of my being, but was unsure I was worthy of the love he showed up with just before our ending. I hardly recognized the new version of him who'd taken my advice and heeded my ultimatum that I'd whispered and then screamed before we broke up. Grow up or I'm out, I said in many iterations, and suddenly the boy became a man, but I didn't allow myself to see it nor believe it, and simultaneously the wounded little girl in me was subconsciously wondering, but am I worthy of the depth of the love that he's showing? Does he mean it? Is he ready? Funny, really. My concern of his capability was really just me asking myself the same questions. Am I ready to show up fully? The truth is, this is about me and my lack of boundary, and living together triggered my trauma subconsciously. All my fears and PTSD, my limiting beliefs, were swept out from under the rug into a cloud of smoke hovering in the living room of our home since moving in together. First I fought, then I froze, and for my last act, as shared previously, I ran, frightened. I took flight and kept going. Running allowed me to mask my fragility. Over, I declared, after months of feeling frozen in my despair, as he was diligently working on becoming what I asked for in a man. I ran to Colorado to meet my mom for my birthday, and for the majority of said birthday, I cried. I woke up just past midnight to celebrate me. Happy birthday, beautiful. You've made it this far. Keep going. And I went back to sleep. He was my first call that morning, and after ten plus days of conviction, I missed him, wishing he was with me. I missed my best friend, my partner, my lover. Days later, later that day, after a mountain climb and my favorite yoga, my mom and I sat at Clark's for oysters and champagne. But dining surrounded by young families, girls my age with husbands and young babies saddened me. Mom, I feel so behind. 
and I cried, knowing both that life has led me here and that there still is a void in me of life experiences I desire deeply. My mom, as she does, she held me. Mom love was what I needed. The champagne bubbles exemplified my emotion and then numbed me. I slurped the briny oysters methodically before heading to the bathroom with just the right lighting. I pulled down my black leotard, revealing my 36-year-old boobies. And in that moment, I felt my perspective shifting, realizing that I am worth celebrating. And these boobies, they've been through a lot with me, and they're still hanging on, like me, perky. I found joy in the moment, gratitude for what I have instead of what I need. When I flew home, my flight was delayed, yet at 2 a.m. he was there waiting to surprise me. I stumbled off the escalator, groggy, eyes foggy, wearing a sweatshirt reading More Love in big lettering and fell into his arms. What a gift to be greeted by someone who loves you, who always, who allows you to feel safe. A gift I took for granted because in my old brain, feeling safe has always felt like me running to escape. What would it feel like to stay? And still, I wasn't ready to accept his gift, so instead I avoided connecting. Deposit paid, I packed my bag and left him in a hallway visible to both him and me that my plans hadn't changed. I was leaving. And even still, he offered to help move me. Even if I'd broken his heart, he was willing to help me find my footing. This is the type of man I prayed for every year on my birthday. A man who owns his masculine, strong but still caring, who made space in his heart for me. Everything about me wanted me to fight his strength and his grounded energy. Yet, I've so longed to be in full experience of my feminine, in relationship, feel the masculine-feminine polarity. But I was still scared, my nervous system trying to control everything and spinning too fast to take his commitment to me, the work he'd put into himself seriously. He is aware of my history, that I suffer from what I now understand as complex PTSD and have been working on healing for the past two years with psychedelic-assisted therapy. Upon returning, he was urging us to attend talk therapy, or better yet, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. I refused initially and then agreed. This type of therapy is in stage three trials, used to reduce the symptoms of complex PTSD, veterans, and assault survivors, because it boosts the serotonin and dopamine in the brain, allowing patients to feel safe as they revisit painful memories. The molecule is said to help quell the ego and diminish protective layers, making patients feel safe. This is particularly helpful in couples therapy. As the serotonin filled my brain, my walls fell down, we both surrendered, communicating. For the first time in months, we found common ground, shared our feelings, and listened. But a few days later, as the high came down, I retreated, questioning my intuition. What if it was just the drugs? How did I know what to trust? Just know that what you feel under the medicine is the truth, my functional medicine doctor reassured me, and I believed him. The truth is, there has been a cage around my heart for nearly my entirety, especially with men, in fear they might hurt me and that I might let them. Call it victim mentality. The cage is further layered with a thick ego to protect me and the chance they challenge me, which is why I've trained myself mentally and physically to fight back and to win, resilient as ever, but in my masculine. No one can hurt me if I don't let them in. But he's different. No man has ever made such an effort to show up and care for me, the truth is, I was scared to death that he might actually want me. Again, stuck wondering, is this real? Am I worthy? The truth is, I've never loved anyone like I love him. But the outdated shadow parts of me hiding my heart question if I'm deserving. In a moment of quiet when I'm doubting, he says, just try and believe that I'm actually on your team. I've never been on a team. 
I've always done my own thing. Alone always felt easier, felt safer. But don't I deserve to be happy? Of course my heart thinks, but the hardness of my ego doubts isolates me in my armor so no one can hurt me. True vulnerability scares me because letting him in fully means I could lose him. Running is my subconscious protecting me from possibility. The truth is, it's been six weeks of surrendering, less running, more loving. In his arms, I've never felt safer. With his love, I've never felt fuller. When our lips meet, time freezes. There are times that I'm not sure where he ends and I begin. I remember to keep breathing. He is thawing me. His love, courage, and steadfast energy, masculinity, his heart sees me. I see me. Together, we're learning. In MDMA-assisted therapy, him holding me, I felt safe to shake out the trauma. Years of being silenced, frozen in time, stuck energy buried in my cells subconsciously. We're growing into each other. He's patient. I guide his hands along the surface of my body. I need to feel safe in his hands particularly. I take his hand and trace it along each part of me, below my waist, my womb, to feel the space now empty, where I pray life will grow eventually. To my solar plexus, the confidence center, and as Andan shamanism teaches, holds our God-given Inca seed, our individuality. I place his hand on my heart to signal to my brain that my heart can trust him. He touches my throat where my voice was so long ago taken from me, a songbird buried inside that is ready to sing. I am no longer silenced. I can speak my feelings instead of just reacting. And lastly, we meet, eyes connecting intimately, and I tell myself, you're safe to stop running. The tremors, the freeze, as my body shakes, releasing years of stale memories. He clutches me tighter to protect me but I let him know this is my freeze-thawing so that I can start living. There will come a time when you believe everything is finished. That will be the beginning. Louis L'Amour via Tim Ferriss. The truth is this isn't our ending, but our beginning. Since our second date, he's felt like home to me. When I stare in his eyes, I see the depth of the ocean, infinite possibility, challenge, deep relief. A man that takes care of him and wants to take care of me. In his hands, I feel his intensity, the power of his grip, his integrity. When he hugs me, I'm engulfed in the strength of a man that holds himself equally. So I think I'll try easy. This past year together, we've put in serious effort to potentially live in ease, to fulfill the love of our dreams. Diamonds are formed under pressure, my mentor tells me. The pressure of these past two years confronting my subconscious memories, which have held me back from living, has also forced me to grow exponentially. This is our growth opportunity. True intimacy is allowing our whole selves to be seen in our messy as sexy, void of shame and fear, good, bad, and ugly. The truth is, I was just running from me. Sometimes what's going on is much deeper than what the eye can see consciously. We're taught to strive for the fairy tale ending, but life is the journey. Let it go, I'm reminded, the ego, the story, as I continue thawing into me. Melted by his love, my knowing, and self-permission to give, receive, spread my wings, and begin rising. Maybe we really are, as Ramdas and my mentor reminds me, walking each other home. Maybe my fear is actually my knowing, that I have everything I need, that I can stop running, that I can trust the power of love, that I am worthy of loving. Love always and forever ever learning, Olivia Side note, this is not a recommendation for MDMA-assisted therapy or any other substance use. I'm simply sharing what, I've, what has opened up our conversations and what has helped in healing me. Like all other psychedelic-assisted therapies or plant medicines, it is not the actual substance but the integration. 
how we put the realizations and communications into practice every day. Love to you. Always.